Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. If the scriptures don't help us in a practical way, then it fails to accomplish what God set out for his word to do. He didn't just want us to be religious. He wanted us to experience life change. He wanted us to discover who we were always meant to be. And I've been on that journey of self-discovery, and it's taken me to this point in my life where I understand now that the biggest battles that I face are often in my own mind. Uh, They're not obstacles that come at me from the challenges of this life. I believe that I can overcome those with the power of a sound mind. I also believe that when I think of issues that may arise, whether it be in my household or in my health or in my finances, that again, I can overcome those, not just with the power of a sound mind, but with the power of the Holy Spirit that keeps renewing and strengthening my mind. And it enables me to go from where I am to where I need to be, to not lose sight of how I can be hopeful, but also take practical, actionable steps to experience the future that God wants me and wants you to have. And so today we're going to talk about how we can all be disillusioned with depression. And I want to take you to the first instance in the scriptures where depression appears. And it actually, for the very first time, is found in the life of someone by the name of Cain. And in Genesis chapter 4, I want us to just read right through this passage, which is 13 verses. So just follow along on the screen and we'll all get the context upon which we are going to better understand this topic of disillusionment and depression. Now, it says that Adam Adam made, I just decided to change his name. Adam, I don't know if anybody's ever called him Adam, but I just did made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant, and she gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And you can see that there's like these huge expectations, and there's this anticipation of who he will become, that he would do great things. And in verse 2, it says that later she gave birth to his brother Abel. And interestingly enough, nothing is said of his birth. And sometimes 
right from the start, parents have expectations and pressure that they put on one child that don't seem to carry to the next. And this isn't something that just happens in our households, but this happened in theirs. And I want you to just pay attention to that because it doesn't matter what Eve thinks. What matters is how these two boys raised in the same household grow up to live very differently. And that's what matters. And so even if someone pegs you at birth and determines and proclaims at your entrance into this world that you are going to do great things or doesn't think you will and doesn't say a word and may possibly even not have ever desired or wanted you, it has absolutely no bearing, none whatsoever, on how God is able to still bless. And so the following verses tell us that they choose traits. And it says that Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And then Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some. And it says the firstborn of his flock. And then if you just look at the beginning there, it says Cain brought some of the fruits. And there's a distinction. Cain brought some of the fruits while as... Abel did something else. He gave the firstborn of his flock. There's a difference in what they're offering. There's a difference in how they're offering it. There's a difference in what is being sacrificed. And then the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so Cain, look at this. It says that he was very angry and his face was downcast. Now, for, for centuries, it has been, in the original context, this has been inverted. It, it should read, so Cain was very angry, should be after, and his face was downcast, and Cain was very angry. So the first thing that we're supposed to read is that he was downcast, that he was depressed, that his facial expressions revealed that he was going through things. And then he was very angry. And that's the order in which we should understand this. Now, let's continue. And so in verse 6, then the Lord said to Cain, again, why are you angry? So they're, they're continuing with that same interpretation. Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, look at how God warns him and says, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. 
And then in verse 8, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were out in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he says, I do not know. He replies, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And now you are under a curse and you are driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Now, whenever you will work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be restless, a restless wanderer on the earth. And Cain and Abel are two of the many sons that Adam and Eve had. And then Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Now, I want to just read very quickly what depression is described as, just to provide the necessary context. We know that it affects about 120 million people worldwide. That depression is varied to the point where it exhibits different symptoms in different people. And we also know that depression can also be quite deadly. But it's also associated with over 850,000 deaths worldwide in the, every year. Now, the, the causes of depression are, are varied and its symptoms, and so are, of course, its treatments. But it's generally described as a melancholy mood, a loss of interest of pleasure, feelings of guilt or low self-worth, self-esteem, self-love disturbed sleep or appetite, low energy, and even poor concentration. And all these things can lead to substantial impairments in an individual's ability to take care of one's everyday responsibilities. Now, just recently, we all saw on the news how this horrific mass shooting in the United States took place in Texas. And this young man went into an elementary school and then we discovered that he had uh, a really bad stuttering problem and a lisp and he was like just brutally uh, just bullied in elementary and so 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 much so even in in high school uh, to the point where that it didn't matter if he was in person, if it was on social media, or even when he tried to escape while gaming, that people would just continuously bully him. And it wasn't long ago that his high school went to the elementary school and high-fived the graduating class, and of course he had dropped out. His mother was a single mom and a drug addict. His grandfather had been in prison, and, and there were all these conditions that had set up this man's life to do what he did. And incredibly evil to go into an elementary school and to do what he did. And we can't obviously just say it's just another case of bullying. There's clearly something that was broken in this young man's mind that would cause him to do such a thing. And we can't make sense of it, but what we do know is this, that if we were to transport someone like this young man into the past and try to make a parallel or some kind of connection to what Cain does, there'd be things that just wouldn't fit. Like one of the things about Cain is that he didn't want to be infamous. He didn't do this to be known. 
He didn't do this so that everybody would remember his name. He hit his brother's body in the field, and when God confronted him on what he had done, he denied even doing it. It was a sin that he tried to hide. Well, most mass shooters don't want to hide. They want their pain and their grief to be known. They want everyone to know what they did, and they want everyone to feel the pain that they've lived through the pain that they can now inflict in the lives of others. And so, does that mean that everybody who's depressed is going to become a mass murderer? Of course not. But what it does tell us is that depression can lead us down paths in our mind that we would never expect. That you don't know how far this can go. You don't know the damage that it can do to you and what it can also do to those around you. And interestingly enough, what we see in this story is that God wants us to understand this in a way that others may not have understood it beforehand. And this is that Cain, through the very short story that we have in Genesis 4, were given some insights into the reason that he ultimately kills Abel. And so what I wanted to do was just put up a chronology of events that we can understand how this can also occur in our own minds. And the first thing in the chronology of events is, is this inadequate suffering. The Bible tells us in Genesis 3 that in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And what we see is that Cain doesn't offer his best, but he expects the best from God. He should have been more self-aware. He isn't. Like many of us, we sometimes miss these things. We miss what our true effort is and our expectation of what that effort should bring in return. And in our minds, we are justified because we believe that what we did was more than adequate. But when God looks at it, he says, this isn't adequate, this is inadequate. Just like people around us can say, this isn't adequate, this is inadequate. It's inadequate, for, it's adequate for you, but inadequate for me. Often conflicts in relationships are a result of, of unmet expectations. Of, of living in a relationship where we constantly are pouring out and others are evaluating that and saying it's inadequate. Or they're highlighting the very things that we would want them to overlook because we've done so much good or because we've offered so much that is adequate. Why are you settling on that which is inadequate? And I've had so many conversations with people where they're so frustrated in their relationship, they're frustrated in their marriage, they're frustrated in their workplace because what they are offering is deemed inadequate. And many turn from God and, and what we see is that Cain does something here that brings them into a disillusionment with God. A disillusionment that comes out of his disappointment. That he thought that what he offered was good enough, but God says, it's actually not. 
And so his first problem is with God. But since he can't kill God, he's going to kill his brother instead. Now, he doesn't set out with that intent right from the start, but look at what happens in verse 5. It says that Cain, (coughs) go back please, Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor, and then look, his face was downcast. So we see that he gets depressed. Let's go on next. Uh, And then he gets angry. And then his murderous plot is, is put into effect. Now, Cain says to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And his brother says, yeah, let's go, man. We're bros. Let's go and do whatever it is that bros do when we go out to the field. Even though they have very different careers and trades, they go out to the field together. And then that's where Cain attacks him, kills him, and buries him in the ground. And God says, I see not only what you've done, but I see where you've buried your brother and his blood that has soaked that ground that you used to give me crops from, that you deemed adequate, which I said were not, because with the intent that you gave it, but also because you gave me not your very best of your crops. You kept the very best crops for yourself and you gave me that which would be considered a good batch but not your best. Your brother came and he offered his best. And then you got upset with your brother and you're upset with me. You're angry with him and you're angry with me. There's hatred in your heart towards me and there's hatred in your heart towards your brother. You couldn't kill me, so you killed your brother instead. And then all of a sudden, he goes into the line. And of course, when we have to try to protect the illusion and when we have to justify what we've done and when we have to make sense of where we've been and where we are, and so that people don't turn their backs on us and that we can keep surviving and living in the world that we fabricated with our illusions of what reality is, The scriptures tell us that we will do anything to protect that, and so we lie. And we will lie, and we will lie. And even after we've been found out, we keep lying. And even though we've been confronted with the truth, we keep lying some more. And the Bible tells us that God finally brings him to a place where he tries to get him to reflect on everything through his questions that he asks. But at that point, you know what happens to Cain? Is that he just looks at the punishment that God gives him and he says, my punishment is more than I can bear. And again, he turns it back on God. He doesn't acknowledge what he's done, doesn't ask for repentance. He doesn't ask that God would forgive him. He doesn't do any of those things. And yet God offers him forgiveness, repentance, and a way forward that he could keep living his life even after the punishment that he has given him. And that tells you so much about the heart of God. It tells you about how God is going to act in your life and in mine and how he's going to keep being there for us even in moments where we would imagine that that wouldn't be possible. And so we see that this 
attitude of, of, of Cain of being downcast and depressed is because he is wallowing in his misery, in his displeasure, in his disillusionment with God, that it leads him to a place where he is so angry. And I often tell people, listen, when you've been hurt, when you've been traumatized, when someone has done something that you cannot forgive, you find yourself in a place where you are very much disappointed, very much disillusioned, but you then enter into a place where you get depressed, and then that depression turns into anger. And that anger is what fuels you and prevents you and keeps you from letting things go. And whether you realize this or not, this cycle that, that God is laying out for us is one that we have to be aware of in our minds so that we can point out to that very thing that we see is not only happening but could happen next and say, hold on a second, I'm going to stop it right here. I'm going to prevent this from happening because I see where this is going next. And it's trying to lead me to a place where anger just becomes murder in my heart. And the Bible says that when we do not forgive, it's like committing murder because it's cutting that person out of your life. But cutting that person out of your life as though they were dead, but the one who killed them is you. It's hard to accept that, isn't it? It's hard to understand it that way. But God is saying that when we don't forgive, when we don't love, that it is possible to murder someone in our hearts. And so God is telling us, watch out. Because there is this thing called depression and it's crouching like a tiger and a hidden dragon at your door. I just made a movie reference there in case you missed it. <laughs> it's at your door and it wants to wipe you out. Why? Because God is saying, I want you to be aware of what happens and what it looks like, but there's still a way out. Can we say amen? See, God is telling Cain there's still a way out. Before he even commits the murder, he's saying there's a way out. There's a way beyond this. There's a way past this. There's a way that things can be different for you. And this is what he says. Here's God's intervention. Let's take a look. In Genesis 4, 6, the Lord says to Cain, he says, why is your face so downcast? God calls out to him and says, I know you're depressed. Why are you depressed? God is initiating a dialogue. Cain is not interested in having a dialogue with God, but God is pursuing Cain. God is going after him hard, and he's trying to do everything that he can in his power to get him to talk, to get him to open up, to describe what it is that he's feeling, to not keep it in. And when we're depressed, that's exactly what we do. We withdraw from people. We withdraw from God. We'd rather live in our illusion. We'd rather hold on to our disappointment and our disillusionment. We would rather stay depressed. We would rather stay in the context of being caught up in all the injustice and the drive for vengeance than being set free. And God is saying, come on, 
open your heart to me and tell me why. And God knows why. But he wants Cain to talk about it. The second thing he says is that, why are you angry? And so he's not going to be able to talk about maybe why he's downcast, why he's depressed. Well, maybe he'll talk about why he's angry. And so this is God's second attempt. And then we see that then God tells him something that's so important for each of us. And I often wonder, God, like, how do I lift myself out of sadness, out of depression? How do I do that? Have you ever been down, downcast? Have you ever been angry? Have you ever been, like, disillusioned, disappointed? Have you ever been depressed? I have. I, I remember a period where I, I spent days and months and almost an entire year feeling like that. It was the worst year of my life. And I didn't even think that it would last as long as it did, but it did, and it just wouldn't stop. And, and I had to keep reminding myself of, of how good God was and, and how he was still with me and how he was still going to bless me and restore me and lift me out of what I was in. And, and I remember that over and over again, what I had to keep doing was remembering how I believed that God was asking me these questions, but more importantly, he was pointing to a way out, and here it was. He said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? See, the root of the issue that Cain had was that he had been rejected. His offering had been rejected, and if ever you've been hurt and felt inadequate, if ever you've been rejected, if ever you've felt guilty about something, God is saying, here's how you get out of that. You do good. You do good. You love others. You make a difference for someone else. You want to get out of what you're in? This is how you do it. You do what is right. And he wasn't just telling him to do what is right towards others. He was telling him to do what needed to be done in his own life. Because there was something that, that he was holding back on, and we're going to see that in just a few moments. And then he tells him this in verse 8. But if you do not do what is right, then sin is crouching at the door, and it desires to have you. It doesn't tell Cain, he doesn't tell Cain that it already has him, but that it desires to have him. And the Bible tells us later on in 1 Peter that the devil is like a roaring lion that encircles us, waiting for an opportunity to devour us. And I want you to understand that if it's at the door, it doesn't mean that it's in. It only comes in if you answer it. And God is saying, I'm teaching you what is at the door. And I'm teaching you how to keep it out. I'm teaching you how to have a way out of this. And this is what I need you to do. And then he says something that is so powerful. In verse 8, he says, you must rule over it. He says, I'm giving you the power to control it. I'm giving you the authority to have power over it. 
This doesn't have power over you. You have power over it. Can we say amen to that? Are you encouraged by that truth? Now think about, think about whatever it is that is out your door. Think about whatever it is that has created this state of depression in the first place and, and how God is saying, I can destroy that, but I want to destroy it through you. Wait a second. I thought that you would just destroy it. I, I, I thought that the person who would control it and destroy it is you. God is saying, no, you don't get this. I am teaching you how to control it, and I'm teaching you how to destroy it. I'm giving you what you need to do to have the victory. Because here's the beautiful part. The victory has already been won. God's already given us the victory. And because he's already given us the victory, that victory is already there for us to just put in place. The last thing I want to share with you is the steps of regaining that control. He tells Cain that he can have control over it, but just so that it's clear for all of us, it's in this text, the steps of regaining control for, for Cain would have looked like this. The first thing that he would have to have done was to admit that he hated his brother. The second thing was that he was angry with God. That he was to confess his murderous thoughts. And then lastly, he was to ask God what he needed to do to please him and then do what was right. Not once in this story does Cain ever say, God, what do I need to do to please you? Not once. He gets upset with God, and he kills his brother. But he never asks God what he could have done differently to have a different outcome. He was so caught up in himself and so caught up in his own illusion that it led to his delusionment. And his delusionment led to his depression. His depression led to his anger, and his anger led him to the path of being a murderer. I know that God has something in store for all of us, something great, something spectacular, something amazing. But we're not going to be able to experience that unless we enter into a dialogue with God. And people are always confused about what it looks like to pray to him. How about this conversation between God and Cain and, and how Cain remains silent, but God keeps asking questions. And I often wonder, God, are you speaking to me and I'm just like caught up in my own life that I'm not even answering? How about we all start here and say, God, how can I please you? So that I don't live in this place of thinking or believing even for a moment that I'm inadequate before you. But understanding that what I may be offering you right now is inadequate, but you're telling me how it can become adequate. You're showing me how right now I don't have your favor, but how I can have it. You're showing me right now how I'm not blessed, but how I can be blessed. 
You're revealing the steps that I need to take so that I can see a change and a turnaround, not just in my mind, but in my heart, not just in my heart, but in my life. Help me to step out of the brokenness that I'm in and this illusion that I've created and this vengeance that is on my heart and let me start doing good. Let me start loving the way you want me to. Let me start forgiving and letting go. And every day saying, I'm going to let it go. Every day saying, I'm going to let it go. Every day saying, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to stop thinking about this. This is not where I want my mind to be. This is not where I want my life to be. I'm going to move past this. I'm going to move beyond this. Because God has greater things in store for us. Why live here when I can experience so much more? And what God was telling Cain was exactly that. Cain, why are you downcast? Why are you angry? Why are you stuck right here in this place when I can give you so much more and do so much more for you? Let's not be like Cain and not listen, but let's be the followers that Jesus wants us to be and put this into practice today so we can experience the victory that he has in store for us. God bless you. Thank you so much. Can we pray together? I would ask that you would just stand with me and as we find ourselves um, in his presence, he's reminding us that God can give us the power to control it. That God can give us the power to rule over it. That God can give us the power so that it no longer has a hold on us. And so, Father, as we come before you, we ask that you would do exactly that, that you would give us that power, that you would help us to overcome, that we would be able to move past and beyond all that is holding us back, that you would show us, Lord, what it is that we must do, that we would take the steps to regaining control in our own lives, just like you revealed to Cain, that you would reveal what would need to be done for us. Lord, we have seen enough that we know where to start. We have heard enough that we know where to begin. And the steps that we can take in making sure that the same thing doesn't happen to us. Lord, I look to you and I ask that you would have your love hold us, shield us and protect us, that your power would overwhelm us in a way that our cup would overflow, that our lives would overflow with your presence, with your power, with your peace. And I pray, Lord, that we would experience what it means to have spiritual prosperity in your eyes on this earth, in this life, regardless of where we are and regardless of where we're struggling and regardless of the mistakes we've made and regardless of 
where we would rather be today. Lord, today is a day in which we can take steps forward according to your word. And I pray that we would do that and that we would experience the victory that you have promised us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.